Hey Booze, welcome to Crime and Spirits, your one-stop shop for handcrafted cocktails, spooky stories, and all things true crime. I am your resident bartender, Suze, and I'll be teaching you all a new drink recipe at the beginning of each of our episodes. And I'm Bree, drinker of the drinks, and I write the stories we tell. So, what should you expect while listening to us? Well, good question. There's going to be some swearing. Oh, a lot of swearing. Probably some rambling. Definitely rambling. And most likely a lot of off-topic pop culture references. We specialize in Bob's Burgers and maybe Always Sunny. Definitely. But what do you want from us? We're going to be drinking. And hopefully you will be too. So come hang out with us each week. And if you want to spend more time with us, check out the description for the link to all of our socials. Let's buckle up buttercups and sip tight. Let's get into it. Hello, welcome back to another episode of Crime and Spirits. I'm Bree. And I'm Suze. How are you doing today, girl? Pretty great. I'm excited to get into today's episode. Me too. It's a goodie. Well, and a bad. It's a baddie. It's and a, a good bad yep. kind mm-hmm. of thing. <laughs> it's near and dear to my heart. So let's just get into it? Yeah. All right. Let's cool. do it. So tonight we are discussing America's most infamous female serial killer. You guys, we are talking about Eileen, a.k.a. Lee Wernos, a.k.a. the Damsel of Death. Dun, dun, dun. That's such an evil moniker. I know. I didn't really like it, but I felt like it was necessary to mention it. It's true. I like the word damsel. It's true. However, damsel she in was distress, not... not of death, though. <laughs> right. <laughs> So she was a career criminal and was was responsible for the horrific deaths of seven men. What made this case so notable wasn't just the fact that a woman committed these murders, but that the victims were killed rather violently, something that is not typical of female offenders. Eileen is widely known as nothing more than an angry hooker that held an uncontrollable rage inside and simply hated men. Others look at the tragic life that she led and sees her becoming a murderer as the inevitable end. So, we're going to talk about it and see where we land on things, because it's a doozy. It's up for debate. So, what will you be mixing up for us tonight? So, um, the story mostly takes place in Florida, the Sunshine State. Um, Eileen's story does begin in Michigan, but... A trial, (laughs) a trail of crime and very bad decisions chased her all the way down to Florida, um, which is where the story will culminate in murder and mayhem. Um, So we're going to need a strengthy drink. Yes. Um, Since the bulk of the story takes place in Florida, um, we're going with our own twist on a rum punch this week. Ooh. I was going to call it the Swamp Thing because it's pretty greeny, orangey, kind of, like a weird, funky color. Um, But Mark came up with Swamp Monster. Yes. Which I like a lot better. Um, For those of you that don't know, Eileen's story did inspire a movie titled Monster. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it... Also, Florida is home to the Everglades, a big, huge wetland area full of all kinds of scary creatures. Um, Honestly, in my opinion, a little like Eileen herself. I agree. Um, So, I found a banana rum. It's a Cruzan banana rum. It just sounded really good, so I bought it. Um, And then I thought, you know what would go good with banana rum? Melon liqueur. Mm. So, mm -hmm, I did that. Um, And to top it off, I got orange... Pineapple juice, it's one of those fruit medley kind like of a things. Combo jobby. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to buy two juices, you can just buy the one. I love that. <laughs> um, so you take your trusty shaker tin, fill it with ice, 
Add in two ounces of the banana rum, which is deceptively delicious. Um, <laughs> add in one ounce of melon schnapps, and then top it off with three ounces of the pineapple orange juice. So you just shake it all up, pour it right in a glass over fresh ice. We garnish stars with an orange because we are feeling fancy today. Mm -hmm. um, but honestly, this drink is sweet enough. It doesn't really need anything extra, in my opinion. Like garnish-wise, no, things like that? Yeah, I just want to make it look pretty. I like it. Well, and I love the smell of orange. Mm -hmm. Fresh orange? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So give it a try, Brie. How you feeling? Ooh. Good, right? Yeah, that's really good. Deceptively I good. Was unsure, I'm not going to lie. I was unsure of banana punch, rum, or whatever the fuck it is, but mm -hmm. that's really good. Heck yeah. Deceptively. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I feel like it could knock you on your booty, too. And, like, it's this... She's not wrong. It's, like, a weird, like, mossy green color, almost, and it definitely looks like a swamp. Like swampy... I don't know. Like swamp juice. But we used to delicious. have a swamp in the Asbury Woods. It no longer exists there, which mm. is really sad. But this makes me think of that. I love it. I miss, I miss, I love Asbury Woods. Me Anyways, too. that's really good. Yes. So we should definitely try you this You should definitely one. make this one. The it's Swamp really Monster. Delicious. So let's sip on our drinks and get right on into Eileen's story. So, fair warning. This story kind of sucks from the very beginning, you guys. Eileen was given absolutely zero fucking chance in life. And honestly, this is one of the few times that I've found myself sympathizing with the murderer. Yep. Like, Eileen's the bad guy in this situation by all accounts. Obviously, yes. You know, like, she took the lives of seven men. Not cool. But, as we are going to learn together, it I don't think this one's so black and white. I concur. She had a super shitty childhood, which we've seen before in cases like this. But her story just kind of hit me different. Me too. Um, for starters, this is really right off the bat. Mm -hmm. Eileen's mother, Diane, was only 14 years old when she married Eileen's father, Leo, who was only 18 at the time. So, like, babies. Literally. So, those two got married on June 3rd in 1954. And the following year, on March 14th, which is actually a friend of mine's birthday, uh, Keith, her bro Eileen's older brother, is born. Eileen joined the family in 1956 on February 29th. She was a leap year baby. Talk about weird coincidence. I just think that really, like, just right out the gate. Like, what an, you only get a birthday every four years. Right. So there's, there's strike one. Right. Plus, um, her childhood was really terrible, y'all. I mean, she obviously wasn't set up to succeed with stats like her parents' age and all that kind of stuff. Um, her father was a schizophrenic. Um, he was arrested and later convicted of molesting a seven-year-old girl. Um, some say he may even have been guilty of murder. Some sources say that he was in and out of mental hospitals most of his adult life and wasn't arrested until Eileen was 10. Others do say that he was in jail before she was born. Regardless, Eileen never actually gets to meet the man. Um, while incarcerated, he does take his own life. Um, Eileen is a teenager when this occurs. Um, because her mother, Diane, was just a real peach, mm -hmm. um, she straight up just left the kids with their maternal grandparents, Lori and Britta Warnos. Um, Which, while I was writing this, I had to keep reminding myself who was grandpa and who was grandma in that situation. Yep. Yeah. And 
spoiler alert, it's not who you guys might think it is. Not at all. Um, so Diane takes off in January of 1960. The kids actually get formally adopted by their grandparents a few months later, which I thought was sort of yeah, really like a really fast. I mean, if Diane's gone, I can't imagine there's anybody to contest it. So maybe right. that's what made it. Also, again, it, it's 1960, so who yeah. knows? Like, I'm very unfamiliar with how that kind of stuff works. So, like, yeah, I don't, really I don't have actually any idea know how it works today. I feel I as though present day adoption is like loophole after loophole you have yeah, to jump through. So I, I'm not sure. I feel like it might be different for like CPS type cases. Yeah, you know maybe. What I mean, like somebody, like their mother, they're getting adopted by their grandparents. Yeah. So it might be something that's a little bit more quick. Right. Process. I don't know. Um, and so. As if things aren't bad enough, here's where it gets, like, weird, weird. Um, their grandparents actually raised Keith and Eileen as if they were their own children. Um, and the kids did not actually know this. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, that makes sense. To some extent, they were very young. I mean, what, Eileen was four? Yeah. Keith was six. And I guess if they'd never met their father, it would be easy to be mm-hmm. like, oh, well, this is dad, so. Yeah, at most, Keith was had some interaction with him from the age born to two but that would be what minimal at most right and if he's in and out of jail uh yeah how much could he really have been there um so you'd think this would just be like a super fresh start um for everybody involved but that's where you'd basically be wrong yeah um because it's it's just not plot twist (laughs) (laughs) not even a plot twist so the couple were alcoholics and they were extremely emotionally abusive to the kids uh, Lori took things a bit further. He He's the grandfather. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hence, what, what are these names? I don't, yeah, I don't it's got to be some sort of weird ethnicity or, or foreign, but I'm not 100% sure. Or like like a like a legacy name yeah. kind of thing. Lineage, that's the word I was like looking for. I like it. <laughs> um, so... Lori was also physically abusive. He abused he abused both kids. Because of but course. Apparently, allegedly, heavy air quotes, before beating Eileen, he would make her strip down to absolutely nothing. And if that wasn't bad enough, Eileen later would state that her grandfather would also sexually abuse her. Which I mean tracks. Right. Which with all of this bullshit. It's just she what (laughs) like i don't even have i truly don't even have words for it because it's just really fucking sad like kids i am convinced like i kids are not born some kids might be but like for the most part kids are not born evil oh for sure they're innocent in all of this shit like eileen and keith did not deserve to be abandoned by their mother they didn't deserve to have their father commit suicide in jail like and then they go to their grandparents it's just just when you think the shit cake can't get any shittier, yeah. here we are. <laughs> exactly. So, with all of that in mind, it's not really surprising that there were reports of Eileen stealing from family or starting fires as young as nine. Nine. Yeah. Terrifying. And as we all know, I'm sure at this point, starting fires is one of the things that they look at in it's true. serial killers, psychopaths, childhoods, and pasts. So, check mark for her there. Um, it's also not surprising to learn that Eileen was a rather angry child that had a hard time making friends. She was, however, 
extremely close with her brother, Keith, throughout their childhood. He was her best friend, basically. I just feel like they didn't have anybody but each other, honestly. I mean, my brother and I very much have a us-against-the-world mentality, and I think that when you go through any sort of trauma as a child, no matter what it looks like... Right. If there's somebody who's experiencing that same thing, you you share something that nobody else shares with you. Right. I think that's natural. Like, my brother is my whole world however they were they were a little bit too close for my own liking yeah and um they had begun to experiment sexually with each other now as far as i could find this was a consensual relationship that's what i also read but that doesn't necessarily make it okay i think it's very obvious that it is a trauma thing oh for sure like it's correlated to the abuse they're literally children like well i mean if her grandfather is abusing her i don't think it's that much of a leap for her to be comforted by somebody right in that same manner right it it's really unfortunate so obviously the environment at home was toxic as fuck i just can't even imagine it god neither can i um, so here comes more bad news. At age 11, Eileen finds out that good old grandma and grandpa are not actually her parents. What a mindfuck. Yes. Uh, I mean, especially growing up the way they're growing up. Like, talk exactly. about a, f- a punch to the face. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not entirely sure how, but I can imagine that this definitely sent Eileen into a, quite the tailspin. Um, she was desperately trying to fit in literally anywhere, and hmm, this part makes me sad. Also, she began <laughs> trading sexual favors with the boys around town, and they would give her things like money or cigarettes. Um, according to the Killer Queens podcast, Eileen would hang out at a place um, locals call The Pit. It's in quotes. Ugh. From what I... I- I listen to them rather frequently. They're one of my favorites. And um, they basically described it as just a pit. Like, that's it's literally a pit. Think Parks and Rec. Oh, the pit. The pit. <laughs> think, think that. <laughs> Fucking pit, man. But um, she would use cash that she made to buy um, alcohol and drugs to try and ingratiate herself in with the crowd there, which I don't know why you'd want to be a part of the pit crowd, but... I think she just wanted to be, like... Belong anywhere. Literally anywhere. Yeah. I mean, think about it. At a very young age, she has learned that sex is a way to get what she wants. Yeah. That she's only good for sex. I mean, think about it. We are grown women, and we know that it is hard to grow up as a woman in the society. You are basically taught that you are your body. Right. And nothing more at the end of the day. Right. And then you add all of the abuse and just the all sexual the extra relationships mm-hmm. that are happening Ugh, there. And so I use many the term relationship loosely. I just, I get it. I think she's just trying to cope. Right. She's um, so young. So in. 1970, Eileen, who is 14 years old at this time... Still a baby! Um, ...finds herself pregnant. The biological father is said to be a friend of her grandfather's who actually assaulted her. Because, of course... Fucking shocker. Um, she gives birth to her only child, a baby boy, at a home for unwed mothers, which I guess is what they did back then. I mean, we've <laughs> seen it several times now. For sure. Um, 
March 23rd, 1971, um, she decides to put the baby up for adoption, but wasn't happy about the way things went down. Um, because it was a closed adoption, there isn't a whole lot out there regarding this, but according to her, no one spoke to her about the process, and the baby was taken away from her immediately after giving birth. Yeah. What I read was that she literally gave birth to the baby, and they just immediately took him out of the room. Um, and also, closed adoptions are... They suck. If you ever try and go back and find your relatives, it's mm-hmm. literally fucking impossible. Which I can understand. I, I get it. Just as somebody who was also dropped, like the whole "your father's not your father" bomb. Yeah. Very late, like late-ish in life. Like I was fortunate enough to be an adult. I was almost twenty-one by the time I found out. And like I, it, it fucks you up. Yeah. And it's it's hard to deal with. And so. It. I can see why they would not want adopted children to go through that when you're getting raised as somebody else, like, with right. your, like, because for a hot minute there, it really, like, fucked with my head, but. My family, my mother has actually been looking for a long-lost sister. Oh, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. And it was a closed adoption through Catholic charities or whatever, and. Mm-hmm. With the Catholics, mm-hmm. like, they're, record-keeping's not really. They're extra tight about their stuff. <laughs> yeah, Like, exactly. whoa, so. Hey, if you're out there, and whoever, yo, 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 what's up? Um, It is up. But nobody knows anything about her, and I think it was the same with Eileen's son. I literally Mm -hmm. couldn't find any information on it, so he he probably doesn't know, obviously, now. (laughs) After this story is over, you'll see definitely why no one would tell him, you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. For sure, for sure. So, not too long after Eileen gives birth, her grandmother passes away from liver failure, probably fine with her i feel like i would probably be fine yep who knows though again like what we're seeing is just trauma after trauma after trauma well and like, it's all and just piling up and piling her up formative and, years mm-hmm. at that like these are years where i remember when my mom told me about everything at, finally she literally had said like i wanted to tell you when you were a teenager your grandmother kind of like helped me back and it's a good thing my headspace at 21 wasn't great my headspace at 16 was even worse even worse yeah there's no way i would have been able to come out of that any kind of mentally yeah so you know keep that in mind guys like while we're going through all of this so grandma passes away around the same time eileen drops out of school and then the kids get kicked out of their home because grandpa is also a real peach such a d-bag i'd punch him in his face so Keith, um, from what I read, if I remember correctly, he was able to find a couple, like, couches to surf. Like, he had friends. He had more of a social life than Eileen did. Eileen went to go live in the woods. Literally lived in the woods. (laughs) She becomes a prostitute and starts hooking as a way to provide for herself. It's all she knows at this point. And keep in mind, you guys, that she's only 15. It, like, almost made me cry when I was doing the research. Not because I necessarily feel bad for... I don't know. I feel for her victims, but like to be raised in this hellscape of a childhood, like I can't even yeah. process it. It's mind boggling. Sad. Fifteen. I barely hit puberty by the time I was fifteen. She's I, had a whole life. Uh, and well, and I never would have thought like I'm gonna live in the woods and prostitute myself for money. Pretty like, sure I, I was still playing with like Barbies by I, the time I went in high school. I like, concur. I'm totally gonna be honest here. Nerd alert. <laughs> like, Same Z's. So I mean, it just wasn't. 
It just wasn't a thought process of mine in any way, shape, or form to have any kind of relationship, let alone what she's gone through. Right. So, I don't know. It's just hard for me to wrap my brain around, I guess. So, Eileen starts to build herself quite a rap sheet. It's, there's a lot. It's a lot. Starting at the age of 18. So, I couldn't find a whole lot about that three-year gap, so I think it's safe to assume she's just kind of... Just getting Trying by. to live her life mm-hmm. and get by. So we're going to start out with her arrest in Colorado of May 1974. She's arrested for a DUI, a disorderly conduct, and firing a 22 <laughs> from a moving vehicle. When we say this bitch is crazy, this bitch like, is crazy. She gives no fucks. Um, she's later charged with the failure to appear. Because shocking. Because no fucks to give. She hitchhikes to Florida in 1976. This is where she meets a man named Louis Gratz Bell, a 69-year-old yacht club president. So she's, what, 22 at this point? Uh, 20? Yeah, 20. Ugh. Yeah, she's 20. Ugh, gross. 49 age difference. Blech. There comes a point in life in which you don't, there's not, it's not a big deal. To have, like, gaps. I still think it's kind of weird, but once you're, like, 30, you're pretty much, like, at the same life stage right. for the most part. 20 and, and 60. She could be his 70. granddaughter. Like, could be her great-granddaughter. <laughs> like, if we're really, like... Kaka. So these two get married rather quickly, and he, you know, he's a yacht club president, so... Their marriage made the society pages. And I think that for Eileen, this was definitely a moment where she was like, okay, like. Maybe I got my shit together. Maybe I can have somebody who will provide someplace safe for me. Stability. Right. All those things that like we as adults strive for. Um, At this point, though, she's still always involved in confrontations at the bar. She was jailed briefly for assault. She hit Lewis with his own cane, <laughs> which is, like, kind of comical. It literally, in my head, I saw it like a cartoon or yes. something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It just still makes me laugh. Like, it just, I get so mad sometimes. I'm like, what? I just, can you imagine? No. I couldn't imagine Mm-mm. any of it. No. Nope. No, thank you. So, after the whole cane incident... Lewis, um, he, I shouldn't laugh so much. I know. Lewis files for a restraining order shortly after they got married. And the marriage was annulled after only nine weeks. Nine weeks. weeks. So, I mean, like, I feel like that really says something about her, like, bar brawls. If he was so enamored with her that he was like, oh my God, I must marry this young woman. Well, I believe. Before all the drugs and all the drinking and all the hard living took its toll, and she was like, I think Eileen was a looker back oh, she's in her beautiful. day. Mm-hmm. Did you see any pictures? I have. Because like, I Googled it, and I was like, oh, she was so pretty before, like, the sun and the hitchhiking and the living plays, outside. And... That plays a role kind of later in mm. part of her trajectory, if you will. And um, so in... Let's see. March 12th on 1976. This is important because her grandfather dies. And he was found in his son's garage. And they suspected suicide. 
I couldn't find much about it at all. I, mm-hmm. I tried to go down some more rabbit holes because it actually just kind of popped up in something that I, in another rabbit hole that I found myself <laughs> going down. You'll have that. Because I wondered, I, I wanted to know, like, okay, well, Grandma died. We found that out. But what happened to Grandpa? Right. And I couldn't find anything. And, like, one blurb, I think, in, like, I don't know, Britannica or some shit had something. So take that with a grain of salt for what it is. But... They think that he killed himself. And quite frankly, good fucking riddance. Uh, I just... This whole family, man, is just like a big icky blob of horribleness. The world does not need more people like him. It's true. And the world got rid of something great on that day, as far as I'm concerned. Like, I'm sorry. Um, That takes us to later that year in Michigan. So she kind of gets around. Literally everywhere. Everywhere. I was saying, I was talking to Mark about this earlier because he asked about the drink that you were making. I told him, like, I didn't try it yet, but, like, this is the components. Yeah. And kind of explained, like, your thought process with it. And I was like, it's kind of been tough to find a drink and correlate it to the cases in some way because we've covered so many, like, cross-jurisdictional, like, killers. Yeah. It's true. Sam Little literally hit every, every state. Literally every state, except I think Alaska and Hawaii, because like, he couldn't hitchhike right. there. But then Keys was all over the place, yep. and Bundy was all over the place, and now Eileen. So, yep. like, I was like, we just gotta, we have to pick something. <laughs> but I think it's crazy, because you know that she hitchhiked. Yeah. She, that's how she was getting around. She was most likely exchanging sexual favors. Ugh. So... In Michigan, on July 14th, she gets arrested at a bar and charged with assault. She, it's kind of hilarious. Again. She threw a cue ball at a bartender's head. And, like, I I don't know what this bartender did to piss her off, but, like, I get her rage just in general because, like, her life sucks. Like, everything sucks. Like, I'd also want to be hitting people with canes and throwing cue balls if that was my life. For sure. I could see why people look at her as nothing more than an angry hooker. Because she was angry, and it's obvious that she was Fuck, I'd be angry, too. Exactly. I'm angry on her behalf for what happened to her. (laughs) After the fact. Um, So just a few short days after that incident in Michigan with the damn cue ball, uh, her beloved brother, Keith, actually passes away. Um, He had esophageal cancer, which, from what I read, is, like, horrific. Yeah. And, like... uh, Not a good time. I don't think it's very curable now, but I feel as though it was obviously even less curable then, you know what I mean? Like, so, um, Eileen is his beneficiary because that was the last person she had left in her life. that was, like, the last part of the family unit, if you will. And... to something um she does actually receive ten thousand dollars from his life insurance um she uses the money to pay her fine from the dui arrest and she buys herself a new car which i mean like fine choices i think those were smart uses of the money for her and then (laughs) because it's eileen the car does not last long she actually wrecks it shortly after its purchase and that's where like the drugs and alcohol come um, this brings us up to 1978. Um, Eileen does attempt to take her own life by shooting herself in the stomach. Um, she doesn't receive any kind of counseling or treatment outside of what was necessary to basically keep her alive. Um, and months later, she does make another attempt, this time by trying to overdose on tranquilizers. It's, 
I sometimes I wonder if it wasn't taken seriously because like everything else with this case, what she did wasn't quote unquote typical of females. Yep. And I don't know if why if that's part of why this gets me so like hyped about it because anybody could do any sort of thing, but like shooting yourself is not typical Mm-mm. for females. Especially in the stomach, I feel as though that is one of the most painful ways to expire. I wouldn't... You know what I mean? I wouldn't be surprised if that was intentional. Right. On her part. She was was very obviously suffering. And then to not even get any kind of counseling. Well, because for all intents and purposes, she's basically like nomadic. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I'm assuming she wasn't staying in any one spot long enough to even get counseling, if anybody was to offer it anyways. Do you know what I mean? I do. I totally do. I know that like when I was growing up, I had a few friends that kind of had some issues and even myself had been in some really dark places but I know that like when you had made the attempt before you didn't just leave the hospital you got like locked up for three days and they kept you and they at least like made an attempt to figure out why you did that right and I don't know I can't help but wonder what what would have happened if somebody would have taken five minutes to talk to her and treat her like a person she tried to end her own life like that's the thing like we have people out in this world who are trying to take their own lives there is a reason behind that the pain that they are suffering has to be unimaginable for you to get to that point oh for sure to shoot yourself in the fucking stomach tranquilizers after the fact like it's not even like she went and swallowed a bunch of advil like she went and took tranks that's a she was really trying to be successful (laughs) she was not fucking around no um, actually, between the ages of 14 and 22, she did make six separate attempts at suicide. Obviously, none of them were successful. Yeah. Um, a few years later, when Eileen is 25, she enters into a relationship with a man named Jay Watts. He is 52. So there's a there's a pattern here. <laughs> a gross pattern. <laughs> a pattern nonetheless. Um, the relationship only lasted two months um, because apparently Eileen just wanted to continue on with her life of crime. Um, there's a lot in like five years here. Mm-hmm. Um, 1981, she's arrested in Edgewater, Florida for armed robbery. Um, <laughs> she robbed a convenience store in a bikini. If she wasn't a murderer... She would maybe be my hero. Right. Right. It's the murder thing that I just can't do it. I, I think it's just the attitude of, like, I don't... And it's sad that she had... The reason why she has the I don't give a fuck attitude is devastating. But, like, a bikini? Hell what yeah, you, girl. What was your plan? Well, and all she got from this armed robbery was $35 in two packs of cigarettes. I feel like she didn't ask for much. What a waste. Two packs? You're robbing the place? You're only gonna, you're not even going to grab a carton? Well, she was wearing a bikini. What's she going <laughs> to put them all in? Put it. <laughs> <laughs> um, she does plead guilty to this offense and winds up spending, um, or, well, she's sentenced to three years in prison. Um, said she did it as a test for her boyfriend. She wanted to see if he loved her, which none of that makes any sense to me. Well, and he didn't. Well, that's, obviously. That's the thing here. Jay he's Watts. like, see you later, bye. He's like, yeah. Bye. Boy, bye. Um, so she's sentenced in on May 4th, 1982. She's actually released on June 30th, 1983. So she spends about a year in jail. Mm-hmm. Um, 
this brings us up to 1984, May 1st. Key West, um, she tries to pass off a forged check, or multiple forged checks, I guess. Um, November 30th, 1985, in Pasco County. Uh, she's the suspect in the theft of a revolver and ammo. Just the theft, though, right? At that mm-hmm. point, I think it was just for now. It was missing. Um, January fourth, nineteen eighty-six. She's in Miami. Um, Miami. Car theft, resisting arrest, obstruction of justice. She used her aunt's info in an attempt to get out of trouble, um, and a, the police actually did find a thirty-eight caliber uh, weapon and ammo in the car. Mm-hmm. Um, June 2nd, it's my birthday, 1986, um, she's detained for questioning. A male companion actually accused her of pulling out a gun in his car and attempting to rob him for $200. Um, I believe she was like, I didn't do it. But they actually found a 22 under the passenger seat, and it was found with spare ammo, which leads me to believe she did, in fact, do it. <laughs> well, and as we see it later on, that that was very much part of her M.O. Was robbing her Johns. So, at this stage in the game, we have come to the conclusion that Eileen is fucking (laughs) over men. Do you blame her, though? She's done. She was sick and tired of the way that she was treated by literally... Literally. Every single man that has ever been in her life. Um, She decides at the age of 28 that she is a lesbian. Hmm. And she began to hang out at biker bars and the like. Which now, is, how are you going to be meeting lesbians at a biker bar? Well, I'm not saying it's not a thing. I but. don't know what the scene was like in the late 80s. I mean, in Florida? Could have been it. I'm not sure. Mm, I do appreciate that she was like, this is my decision. Good for her. I, like, that's how it works, but... <laughs> it's definitely not. But I definitely think that it's very, it's a very, I think it speaks to her mindset. Oh, you can absolutely tell that she's very clearly not right in her yeah. brain. And so she, this is where Tyria Moore enters the scene. And if anybody listening is at all familiar with this case, that name will ring a bell. Mm-hmm. Um, by this day, <laughs> Tyria, horrible name. First and, first and foremost, let's just get that out of here. Tyria. I, I do a like lot it. of reading back the script to myself, and I try to, like, be conversational when I write, so it's much more fluent for yeah. us to, like, kind of go back into it. And I had to say that name over and over and over again, and I was like, this is awful. Even my autocorrect when I was doing research was like, I refuse to accept this as a name. It just yeah. kept changing it. And I was like, son of a bitch, stop there, it. There was a Tyra in the research that you sent me. And I was like, oh, autocorrect. Yep. He's doing it to me too. Son of a Fucking bitch. Bastards. So by day, Tyria was a housekeeper for a hotel. By night, she was hanging out at Day- Daytona Beach. Specifically at a gay bar called Zodiac. I do, if it's still there, want to go there someday. Yes. I'm going to have to research it more, though. Yeah, we're going to have to make, like, a... Daytona Beach has never been my jam in Florida, but... I... The only thing in Florida that I actively want to see is Disney World and, like, the family that I have that lives there. But it's very hot and humid and swampy, and I don't like it. See? Swampy. Yeah. And <laughs> I... I have an irrational fear of like alligators. Well, because they'll snatch small. They are basically pets and dinosaurs. Children. They are, and I don't like it. Mm-mm. I'm not a not a fan. Hate it. So I'm good on that, but I would be very curious to go to the bar. 
Because this is where Eileen and Tyria meet for the first time. In my opinion, this is where it all starts. Honestly, this is kind of the turning point for her. Um, Eileen is 30 years old at this point, and she falls deeply in love. Like, deep, deep. Like, whoa. And she... Tyria is only 24 at the time. And I don't know about you guys. I don't know if any of you are in your 30s at this point. I think you can speak to it. There's a, a very big difference between 30 and 24. But given Eileen's life, like maturity-wise, they're probably very much on the same plane. I actually think Eileen might be less mature. I mean... Truly. Mm, I don't know. Mm. Tyria did have the, the, the thought processes of... She was more there. So I guess I can see what you're saying. <laughs> I don't want to like there. give away of what she does yet for people who are not it's true. familiar with it. Because long story short, she's really fucked up and she like does some shitty things. I <laughs> actually don't care for her at, at all. At the end of the day. So the two of the the two of them move in, air quotes, with each other rather quickly. Um, move in is a loose term because they um, they were pretty much still nomads for the most part. Between the two of them, they didn't make a whole lot of money, and the lifestyle they led began to catch up with them. Uh, This impacted Eileen's business. Quote, unquote. (laughs) As she looked twice her age and wasn't able to land as many clients. So kind of like what Suze was saying earlier, like, she was a very attractive young woman. Absolutely. She's only 30 here. Drugs... And alcohol and benders, like they just. Well, and, and honestly, part of it is the freaking sun and living outside. Yeah. Because I have heard from friends like, mm. put on your damn sunscreen, y'all. But I can't imagine a person living in the woods and relying on Johns would be like, well, yeah. I need my SPF thirty. <laughs> you know. That's fair. I was in Florida for like three hours, and I remember them somebody telling me that the sun was different there. And it I was absolutely like, I mean, I'm sure. And I'm very fair skinned. Like I get burned very easily. She here. is. She is pretty pale. I'm basically Snow White. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. I've learned to embrace it as I've gotten older. It's cool. But literally within two hours, I was burnt. Like burnt. Mm-hmm. I couldn't even sit in the sun anymore. Yeah. That, Two hours. I went to visit my friend when he was working down in Florida, and I was like, I'll go to the pool while you finish working. Half an hour, I got sunburned on yeah. the first fucking day. I was you, like, God yeah, damn it. You tan nicely. So. Ugh, rude. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> I mean, honestly, though. So, she wasn't able to land as many clients, and this kind of put a strain on the relationship between the two women. Um, but they have a relationship for almost five years. Um, and they get into their fair share of shenanigans together. Shocking. In 1987, Eileen and Tyria are detained for questioning at a bar. They're accused <laughs> of assault and battery with a beer bottle. What is with just picking up whatever's there Listen, and swinging? They're super resourceful. <laughs> they're just working with what they got. Gotta work with it's what you've got. Mm-hmm. They're just, you know, cube. She was probably playing pool and then just like picked up the cue ball. I just, in my head, I... That's what I imagine. Find it hilarious. Like, The Simpsons or some shit. Like, I just picture it in, like, that kind of... I hope she chugged the beer and then started swinging the bottle, at least. one can only hope. I bet she did. She probably did. Um, The following year, in March, Eileen accuses a bus driver from Daytona Beach of assault. She claims that he pushed her off the bus after a confrontation, and Tyria was witness to the incident. Which... (laughs) 
Who knows if it's true or not. Yeah. Eileen's been known to spin some tall tales. For sure. But I also do think that in every tall tale there is a thread of truth. Oh, for and sure. And I think that at this point we've already seen twice now where it's a similar story. Right. So I don't know. Um, so here we are. We're at the point in Eileen's life where she turns the corner and walks literally right into becoming a serial killer. Um, over the course of about a year, she killed seven white men throughout central Florida. Um, she lured her victims by prostitution mostly, but sometimes she would have to get creative and find an abandoned car to pose with and play the, the damsel in distress. Mm. Uh, her M.O. was to rob her victims before shooting them to death and then actually steal their cars. Again, resourceful. Ugh, can't say much more about her. Um, so here we're going to get into her victimology, kind of. Yeah, or, or, or I guess her victims yeah. period we're gonna kind of just go through because um, obviously they're all men most of them are, were her johns or mm-hmm. you know what i mean just being helpful or whatever um richard charles mallory is the big one that sticks in my head mm-hmm. um he was 51 he owned an electronics store in clearwater florida um he picked eileen up in tampa he had actually served 10 years for sexual assault um, it was not mentioned in court during her trial, which is a whole nother story. Mm-hmm. Um, he was murdered on November 30th, 1989, shot four times with a 22. Um, two bullets to the left lung was actually the cause of death. Um, she took anything of any sort of value, including the car, um, which she later abandoned in a different location. Um, after she committed this crime, she went right to Tyria. She told her what happened and said they had to leave ASAP. Um, Tyria said she didn't believe her, but went with her anyways. Which I don't know that I buy that. I think Tyria had more to do with it than she is letting on. Yeah. Bitch. Seriously. Um... Police actually found Mallory's abandoned vehicle two days later. Um, his body was found two weeks later in a wooded area. Um, mm-hmm. Florida, two weeks. Oh, Outside. Gross. I didn't even think of that when what? I was right. Ew. That's Icky. gross. Um, so after the fact, um, Eileen claimed that Mallory drove to a secluded area off of I-95 for sex. He then beat, raped, and sodomized her. Um, and she actually claims that she shot him in self-defense, which... Could... Plausible. I read up on this man, and he didn't seem like a super great person. No, he definitely... So... Ring a handful of uh, yeah. bells for Mm-hmm. Um, next up, unfortunately, is David Andrew Spears. He was 47. He worked in construction... Uh, He was actually reported missing May 19th of 1990, but he was found on June 1st of 1990, naked on U.S. Route 19. He was shot six times with a 22. You see, a 22. Mm -hmm. Um, And the (laughs) poor man had to actually be identified by his dental records. I feel like already two first two victims two out of seven we're already seeing like chaos i don't feel like there's planning not at all if there is it's nothing more than i need to get money and potential shelter for myself and my partner right but 
I mean, who knows? It's also quite possible that she really went into these situations. Like, I'm going to fuck this guy up. Which, again, <laughs> that's a subject to be what, debated. <laughs> what we also need to keep in mind here is that, again, these men did not deserve to lose their lives. Not at all. picking up a hooker. Absolutely. Who knows who was married, who wasn't. And like, I, I don't know. I, I'm obviously not in defense of what Eileen did, Um she had a lot of rage in her yeah and that breaks my heart because i know it stems obviously from her childhood right um and i think that we see that play out absolutely um charles edmund this name karskaden (laughs) yeah c-a-r-s-k-a-d-d-o-n i try uh, so one time we put uh, a last name into like google translate basically and had it read it back to us and it was hilarious but also traumatizing so yes. we're gonna go with it's in my nightmares now Karskaden. um he was 40 he was a part-time rodeo worker i love that i rodeo is fun um he was murdered on may 31st 1990 so that's literally like not even like two weeks later yeah. like that's just crazy to me found the previous victim yet right at this point um charles body was found june 6th in pasco county which we know from previous uh discussion there was a shot of her she was there mm-hmm. um he was shot nine times wrapped up in an electric blanket and unfortunately he was badly decomposed um i find it hilarious that of all of the victim details that we had to go through. His was the only one that, like, specifically mentioned, like, made note of the decomposition of the body. Which I feel like has to really be saying something. If we had one man we had to identify by dental records, mm-hmm. and the other man it took almost, like... Two weeks. Two weeks. Both of them, really. Blah, blah, blah. What? I'm just saying, two weeks out in Florida, I just... Out exposed to the elements. <sighs> I'm gross and sweaty after, like, three hours. Oof. I couldn't imagine being out there. Um, Eileen did steal Charles's car. A witness actually saw her in it, um, and she did wind up pawning a gun of his, mm-hmm. which we'll also see is a habit of hers. That's pretty standard, I feel like, with people who run into financial problems. I mean, that's what pawn shops are for, right? Like, essentially. My experience with pawn shops is pawn stars. So, and I know that's not real, so. I have even less experience than you do, because I never got into that show. I just like it. I don't know. My mom, like, I'll be honest, anything that was on my house during childhood, I don't fucking, I don't fuck with It just makes me laugh, because people are like, I have this super valuable blah whatever yeah, insert item here i like and he'll just be like that's garbage because he brings yeah. in experts i think what i find interesting is having the experts okay. talk about like civil war artifacts mm. or like this one guy knows everything about military related the memorabilia nerd, the nerd in me is interesting fucking cool right that does sound cool we're going there when we go to Vegas. Okay. <laughs> um, so next up is Peter Abraham Seams. He was 65. Uh, he was a merchant seaman. Um, he was heading to Arkansas. His starting point was actually Jupiter, Florida. Uh, it was June of 1990. His body was never actually found. Gators. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I just don't know why she didn't just put them with the alligators to begin with. 
potatoes. Right. They eat like anything. They'll eat tires or pigs too. I'm pretty sure that pigs will also eat anything. Yes. There's actually. I feel as though there's a murder where the guy, I think in Canada perhaps, the man got rid of the bodies by feeding them to his pigs. Or it could be a criminal mind I was just going to say, I think it's a criminal mind. Mark and I were listening back to audio the other day, and he's like, you guys mention criminal minds all the time. Like, well, it's our favorite show. What do you Uh, I can't help it. We don't get out much. I enjoy a good binge of criminal minds and popcorn and a good drink. Sue me. I love all those things. Right? Um, Eileen did steal this poor man's vehicle also. Um, on July 4th, 1990, um, Tyria and Eileen were... Or, or, no, I think Seams... Or was it Tyria and Eileen? Oh, yeah. It's no, Eileen it and Tyria. Mm-hmm. Okay. It was a, sorry, I was drinking the drink. <laughs> I was literally sitting here like, this is really it good. It is really good. <laughs> um, a moment. So the ladies get into an argument. They get in a car accident. Uh, the car rolls, so the police get called. Mm-hmm. Um, Eileen rips off the plate and throws it into the woods, which you don't just fling it away. What's wrong like with you? Frisbee. That's what I envisioned. Um both women do flee the scene. Um, police did report that Eileen was belligerent, which, shockingly, it all checks out. Right. Um, they figure out who actually owns the car, but they don't know who the women are yeah, at the time. Yeah, they don't get any sort of information out of Well, them. if they throw the license plate and then go sprinting they, like, off. They, like, just cut yeah. Um, Rhonda Bailey was a witness. She came forward with descriptions of the women, um, said they struggled to get out of the car, were cursing at each other, and were ditching beer cans. Um, They did also seem to have minor injuries. So from this, the police actually made sketches of these suspects, which they then circulated about. Um, And Eileen, of course, left fingerprints in and on the car there was a palm print on a handle um which matched a print on a receipt from a pawn shop that was actually in his car mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. there were fingerprints all over this car i just like blood smears from what i read like all the things dumbasses well and this is part of the reason why i just don't feel like there's premeditation here not a i or i at, concur or at the very least there's not the mindset of what do I have to do to ensure I'm not getting caught. Right. So, like, it, I think it's plausible that in her head, she, it, like, if it's self-defense, that's a plausible line of logic. Right. It's also plausible that it was just chaotic and she wasn't thinking clearly and she did the, do these things maliciously. So, I mean, like, I, I can see how both versions of events right. could work. For sure. Um, this brings us to Troy Burris. He was 50. Um, he was a sausage salesman and slash delivery driver. Why is that so funny? Like, I don't... I, when I read that, I was like, this... I always think of Ferris Bueller and the Sausage King of <laughs> <Yes>. Chicago. <laughs> so, my mind automatically is like, tee-hee-hee, you know what I mean? Um, he's from Ocala, Florida, which from what I've heard is sort of like armpit-ish. It's just hot and swampy. It's in the middle of the state. Mm. So there's not beaches or anything Florida (laughs) fun, you know, just a lot of alligators and murders, apparently. (laughs) 
Um, he was reported missing on July 31st of 1990 um, when his boss realized that his route actually never got finished. Um, his body was found just a few days later, August 4th, 1990, in a wooded area along State Road 19 in Marion County. He was shot twice, probably with a 22, if I'm to believe what's happened previously. You know what makes me really chuckle about this is that he was reported missing because his boss realized that the work wasn't done. And if that's not the most, like, capitalist bullshit <laughs> shenanigans... I'm just like, saying. There's always, these, there's always these memes. And we've worked in the service industry, like, our whole adult lives. Uh-huh. And there's always jokes about how, like, you could be on your literal deathbed and they're going to be like, can you cover your shift, though? I like the one with the snow and it's like the boss uh, yeah. is like, so you're coming in, but right? you're still coming in, right? <laughs> I had a snow day this year. I had a couple of them, actually. We, but there was one too. day where I had to open, and my shift starts at 5 a.m. So my ass is up at 4 a.m. in the winter. 4.30, because I live close <laughs> in the in the non-snow times. But literally, Mark and I started shoveling, I think, at 3.30 in that morning, and we got nowhere. And I literally called my boss. I was like, yeah, I'm not going anywhere, and I'm only scheduled till 9 a.m., I'm just, I'm staying home. It just cracks me up how much people will go through to get their goddamn Starbucks in the morning. Oh my, I remember, do you remember <laughs> Snowpocalypse? Yes. Okay, so. Yes. I remember Snowpocalypse well, and we were closed for two days. People and were filled with rage, weren't the they? The third day, <laughs> you would have thought that we were the goddamn Messiah that had, like, come back to Earth to save everyone. They're like, oh my God, I'm so happy. When my store was closed for renovation last summer, people were losing their goddamn minds. I bet. Which, I mean, like, I appreciate that they like us so much, like, they like us so much to, like, it's come to our It's creepy, though. But, like, like, I feel as though it's a bit stalkerish. It's just coffee, bro. <laughs> it's literally bean water. And, like, I like Starbucks. I like... We're not knocking it. I'm just saying people are I really are like their affordable health insurance and the fact that I can work 18 hours and get said affordable health heard, insurance. I heard that, Which girl. leaves me, you know, freedom to do all these other things. But I just don't... I don't, I don't understand the obsession with it. I, like, I don't get that. I like it just fine. I just... People go bananas about if it. If I did not work there and got free beverages, I probably would not go there myself. I'm just going to call it what it is. I get black coffee at Starbucks, so what do I know about anything? So one thing, I will say we get really awesome bunnies, and so like one thing we get is a free drink before you get one for every break, and you get one to take home with you every single shift. So much coffee. So several, several free beverages throughout your shift. And I will say that my boss today ordered her drink, and she just got a tall, which is our small, 12 ounce, ordered it, regular, nothing crazy, like tall flavored latte with like I think a non dairy and it was like seven fifty. Like I'm glad we get that shit for free. People drink that like multiple times a day. Yeah. I'm like you ever wonder why you're poor? This is probably part of the reason. I mean, don't Stop feed it, it. But, like that in the avocado toast. <laughs> but I mean, I make I make my avocado toast at home. It's true though. I mean, I see These bitches are crazy. This morning, somebody spent forty five dollars on like food and drinks. That's what? Yeah. What? All right. For Starbucks oatmeal. Okay, sorry. Anyways, we digress. We, this happens a lot. We um, warn you in the intro. It's true. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about Charles Richard Humphreys. He was 56. He was a retired U.S. Air Force major, um, which is kind of a big deal. Yeah. He was a former child abuse investigator, also kind of a big deal. 
Yeah. And he was a former chief of police. So he checked, like, all the important boxes. Literally. prison boxes. Um, he was murdered September 11th, 1990. His wife reported him missing the same day, um, and his body was actually found rather quickly. It was found the next day in Marion County. He was fully clothed. Thank God. Um, He was, however, shot six times in the head and torso, uh, and his car was abandoned in a neighboring county. Um, This is our last victim, Walter Antonio. He was 62. He was a trucker, security guard, reserve police officer. Um, He was found on November 19th, 1990, uh, naked, shot four times, and his body was found near a remote logging road in Dixie County. Um, the car was found five days later in um, Brevard County. That's right. Brevard. <laughs> Words are hard. Words are hard. I can't. I just... I wonder why... So, what makes me wonder about, like, the whole nakedness, like... So, that's got to be because there was, like... Some, some things happening, things, like, I happening, think. Right? Like, some... Yeah. Some naughtiness. I I just, I'd be so curious. Because, like, I watched clips of Eileen testifying later in her own trial. And she got very explicit with details. And I just really wonder. I don't know. I just really wonder how things went down. Uh, and the only one that could have answered these questions were mm-hmm. either the gentleman or Eileen. So... Yeah. So, here's the thing, guys. We're actually going to do a two-parter this time around. And the reason being is because Susan and I have come to the realization that we are chatty Kathy. So much chatty. And uh, hopefully you enjoy that, because we sure do. Um, There's still a decent amount of information left on Eileen, and instead of forcing you to sit through a two-hour episode, we're going to split it. We're going to cut it. And so, that's where we're going to leave things off today, and then we're going to pick back up next week. We're going to go over the trial portion and kind of talk about all of that, because there's a lot of, like, twists and turns and things like that, and um, like we said, we... It might be an unpopular opinion, but we empathize with her a little bit, and I just want to make sure any story that we tell, I want to make sure that we're doing anybody who is a victim in that story justice, and I just happen to think that this is one of those times... Where the person who committed the murders is also a victim. It's true. And so I just want to make sure that we're telling the story right and we're telling it properly. And we're also telling it in a way that you guys will enjoy. True. So we're going to end it there. Dun, we're going to pick back cliffhangers. up. So the normal amount of business, guys, as you know, we are on social medias. So every Fridays we drink our, uh, we post our drink recipe Wee. shopping list. Words are hard. Um, that way you'll know what you need by Sunday so you can stock your bar and come hang out with us and make some drinks. Um, Suze, we're going to do the same drink yes. next week, correct? Yes, because so. it's pretty damn good. If you have not it's, tried it yet, I definitely recommend it. Honestly. Tosses hair. <laughs> <laughs> she she did a good one this time, guys. Well, they're all good, but this is prop. This is my second favorite. Well, we don't do rum, so no. it's nice to change it up yeah. a little. I agree. So, social medias, we are at Instagram, at Crime and Spirits Pod. Same thing for Facebook. We are on Twitter. 
Crime Spirits Just Pod. Crime Spirits Pod. Bam, straight into the point. I don't. If you guys do follow us on social media, you had probably seen us spamming everything last week. We went to go see the Boulay Brothers. Oh my god, show. it was wonderful. We were repping the pod. It was fucking great. We're going again next week. <laughs> we're sort of addicted. We now. might be addicted. We need to meet them. It's true. It wasn't good enough. Mm-mm. I need to actually meet them and not just creep on them <laughs> in so, the parking lot. Yeah. Yeah. If you find us on social media, maybe if you ask really nice, Suze will share the story. It's true. So <sighs> come hang out, come interact with us, and uh, we'll see you next week. Yeah. Bye, guys. Bye.